Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional deal gone wrong, because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate, from the life they're now able to live to the person they become along the way as they pursued their dreams in having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. Well, good day and welcome to this episode of The Everyday Millionaire. As always, before we get underway, I like to just take the time to say thank you for your feedback to the show and to remind and continue to encourage you to send any of your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at reincanada.com. That's CEO at reincanada.com. And if you're inclined, I definitely appreciate it if you were to rate the show or comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever other platform you happen to use to listen in as well please follow us on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. For me, and aside from the direct feedback you provide me, the greatest form of appreciation is if you are enjoying what you're learning and hearing, then please share the Everyday Millionaire podcast with others, such as your friends, your family, your associates, whatever that might be for you. The show continues to gain really great traction and increasing momentum. So I just want to say thank you in advance for sharing it. If you find the show worthy of passing it on to others, then that's awesome. And please don't stop the feedback that you do provide the Everyday Millionaire team and I. It's important and appreciated. Okay, so let's get this show started. I want to begin by giving you a bit of background of Alan Kahn. Over the past 40 years, Alan has gained international experience as a manager, as an entrepreneur, a trainer, an executive coach, and even far more than all of that. His track record for being a catalyst and driving success for his clients is extensive and the level of support and coaching he provides is as diverse and random as his list of clients. Alan has literally guided and supported thousands of individuals on their journey to discovering, defining, and living their best life. Whether personally, professionally, individually, or in a team environment, he's truly known for driving breakthrough results in the people and the teams who are committed to elevating their game. He has a unique talent what I call a very special gift, if you will, for facilitating disruptive, context-shifting interactions, which helps him deliver on his commitments to optimizing a leader's or a team's performance and for realizing professional fulfillment. And all along with all that he brings, he adds a great deal of laughter and joy to his process. You know, I've worked with Alan a number of times over the past couple of years, and I can really attest to just how focused he is on delivering results. I'm looking forward to this conversation, so please join Alan and I now as we do our best to discuss a myriad of topics and to work to venture down, I don't know, as many rabbit holes as we can. Welcome, Alan Kahn. Alan Kahn, welcome back to the Everyday Millionaire 
podcast. I'm excited to have you on the show. Hey, listen, before we get into it, I got to tell you, you're back on the show because you had such a great response to the interview we did early on this year. And so here we are. Patrick, it's great to be back. And uh, my experience of you and listening to your other podcast, Patrick, is you bring out the best in people. So it, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that's the case always. So, Alan, you know, last time you were on the show and what, you know, some of the comments I got from listeners was around when we got into the conversation of calling and, and I mean, you had a lot of background. So before we get into that, so we talked about calling a lot. I mean, we talked about so many things, but um, yes. on this particular show, uh, there's a number of things I want to get into, but just quickly for our listeners that didn't hear that first interview that I did with you, and I would encourage them to circle back to listen to it. How do you describe what you do? Great. I, I work with individuals, groups, and organizations to have them realize their vision. So that's the outcome. Uh, uh, groups, organizations, individuals, couples realize their vision. You know, and obviously, sometimes when you meet somebody, what's your vision? I don't know what my vision is. I just want to get through the day. So it's having people connect with something bigger than just their immediate set of wants. You know, the, the work with calling has to do with intention, creating an intention for your life, a direction that your life is going in and what you're going to accomplish out of going in that direction. With an organization, they call that direction the mission. So how do you create a mission-driven, values-based organization that's a leader in its field. Well, that's actually a pretty good segue into some of the conversation I want to have with you today. And great. You know, we talk about that calling, we talk about vision, mission, all of those kind of, I don't, I don't want to call them catchwords, but they're descriptions of what people think they want or think they need or really do want. The question I would have for you around that is when somebody that you're working with, goes to answer the question, what do you want your life to look like? A real common answer is, I don't know. Like, I don't know what yes. I want. How do you help people? Because I want to get into the meat and potatoes in this particular interview, yeah. Alan. I want to really take advantage of our time together and really support listeners. And I know that as evolved as our listeners are, there's going to be a number of people that are listening in today going, I don't even know what I want. How do you, how do you yeah. begin there? You've had that experience. Definitely have had that experience. I mean, the longest it's taken uh, in the work I've done over the past few years with people for someone to find their calling or their purpose was three sessions. But almost always it happens within the first session. Why? Um, because it's there's a way to set up the, the question that you don't, have to just answer it with what's at the t on the top of your mind. So I might ask somebody, imagine a time when you were really moved, when you were inspired by what was happening around you, and then what was going on. So as they recall, whether it was something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, three weeks ago, when you really get moved and touched and inspired, something's at work there besides just what your everyday wants are, your everyday desires are. 
Um, and also, Patrick, as you know, from the work we've done together and the work you've seen me do, uh, my drive always with finding a purpose or a calling has to do with the impact you want to make in the world, the impact you want to make in the lives of those around you, period. The impact you want to make in the lives of the people around you. I think that's such an important point for people to take away. I mean, you've worked and you do work with some really successful people. And I think what I've noted in all of the what I would consider successful people, and, and not just money, money aside, I mean, people who are really fulfilled yep. in their life and happy in their life, and yes, they have money, but is that they are really clear that they need to be a contribution to, at some level, in a, in a pretty big way. I've, you know, I, one of the things that I've shared with you in the past is, you know, many years ago, it's probably 10 years ago now, I came up with this thing in a meditation called Success is Simple. And simple became the acronym for significantly impact many people's lives every day. That's beautiful, Patrick. Had I not shared with you that with you before? No, no, it was probably too simple. <laughs> well, I'll share a little bit of background for the listeners. Now, at that time, I was being really, you know, I was being driven by success being very, you know, monetary. It was really about that that's and so as i went into my meditation that day which is a was it still a, remains a common practice for me i was meditating on success and how would i create more success which in my world was more stuff more money at that time and mm. although i was still in i was still in the conversation of contribution and all the things that i was doing back then and what showed up for me was significantly impacting many people's lives every day was how I said, oh, that's how they do it. But I was looking at Google and Amazon and, you know, all the big guys that had, they were significantly impacting people's lives every day with the products and the services they provided. Yeah. That's evolved so much over the years as I've grown to really be about the contribution I'm being, the impact I have. You look at parents and the legacy that they leave. That's a that's significantly impacting many people's lives. And so that's how I looked at it. And now it's not about success, it's about the money and the things that we, you know, the services, the product, although that's a part of it, it really is the contribution we get to be, the legacy that we leave. So that's what it is for me today. And it's, it's amazing, Patrick, uh, for me. Uh, well, it's just amazing that I didn't know that. <laughs> it is, given all the conversation <laughs> we've had. And, and you and I know that we resonate at a very deep level when we're talking to each other and uh, discussing things that we're both dealing with. There's a commonality. We Our roots go into the same soil. You know, but starting from a company that's in business, obviously they're, they're looking at the bottom line. But, you know, the really successful companies now are all focused on extraordinary customer service. That's like the heading, which you could say that's the impact they're making on others is providing great service and then sales follow. Uh, and then you look at the, you know, you look at Gates and I was just reading an article about him the other day and, and the folks, the very, very successful people who all have started foundations now who want to give away their money in their lifetime. So, you know, I, I don't know whether it's Gates or Zuckerberg, 
going to give away 99% of their wealth in their lifetime. That's powerful. They said they want to see the impact where in the world, in the lives of others. So these are successful people. They're not focused on how much more can I get, but how can I use what I have to really make a difference, make a contribution? You know, and the last thing, again, I'm, I'm cognizant of the fact that this is called millionaire's mind. And, and we didn't talk about money on our first interview at all. However, you know, that when I'm working with uh, heads of companies or heads of teams to set up a mission-driven, values-based enterprise, I always have them watch a talk that Tony Shea from Zappos gave at the Stanford Business School, where he came up, talks about their values. And that company is built on customer service. They're not built on selling shoes. Right. They're built on customer service. There's the story, I know this may take us off field, but there's a story of someone calling into their call center 10 years ago at 11 o'clock at night, someplace in, I think, Ohio in the United States, and the eight person answers the 800 line, and the person says, uh, uh, I'd like to order some pizza. Yeah. And without missing a beat, the woman or the guy who answers the phone says, can you give me your address? They give the address and they give them three pizza places that deliver at 11 o'clock at night in their at person's town. And then they say, and by the way, we don't sell pizza, we sell shoes. And that person got a bonus. Why? Because <laughs> they're looking outward, providing great service, having their interactions leave people with something that was a contribution rather than what can you get? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. So the, you know, in the context of the everyday millionaire, it was really about seemingly everyday people achieving extraordinary results. And we talk yeah. about, you know, founder of Zappos, we talk about Gates, we talk about Zuckerberg or any, you know, and those are really big names, of course. So they're in the public eye. Yeah. And of course, uh, there was a point in their life where they were just seemingly ordinary people. There was nothing special about those individuals that went on to do things, you know, and that's right. you know, the story about Colonel Sanders and, 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 you know, any number of really successful people and so many guys and, and ladies that uh, women that I've had on the show, um, and interviewed, they just are about being ultimately being a contribution and it all comes yeah. back to that defining and discovering who they are, what serves them in terms of what lights them up to your question earlier or to your comment earlier about when you're asking somebody and helping them get to what they want, you take them back to a time that uh, I don't remember. I don't recall the word you used. Um, where they were moved, where they were or, moved touched, right. or inspired. Yes by an interaction they had with somebody. Sometimes, Patrick, it's, it's sorry to cut you off, but sometimes it's even when you were watching a movie and you got moved totally. or touched by watching the movie. I think there's a, Dr. G, uh, uh, John Martini uses, you know, he talks about that in a little slightly different way. He says, when you consistently, when something that occurs consistently brings a tear to your eye, you have to look at what it is and dig deeper if you can't nail it and if you can't get yeah. to it. Yeah, for me, I know this is going to sound, how, I don't know how it's going to sound, but when I'm working with people and if we're doing it on a video conference or we're doing it in person, when they find their calling, 
I get teary. Right. They do as well, but I do because I'm moved by what? I'm moved by their expression of their connection to humanity. Right. That's you cool. know that we really are one. Yeah. We really are one. And I and I apologize. I, I the phrase uh, millionaire mind came out. I know this is the everyday millionaire, not millionaire mind. That that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other that's conversation. So, that's, sorry, sorry for plugging something else here, Patrick. <laughs> that's all good, pal. That's all good. I mean, but ultimately in all of your work, and I mean you've worked literally because of your background with landmark when you did. I mean, you've yes. worked with tens of thousands of people. I mean exactly. yeah, you've facilitated and you've done that work. And we all have come to, I shouldn't say that, you've come to realize, I've come to realize, and that comes, I think, with maturity and just getting through life. But ultimately, you start to realize that happiness and satisfaction doesn't live outside of us. It is really who we're being in the context of our life and how we show up in that way, where we're being the contribution we need to be to support others and yeah. focused outside of ourselves. I would add one more piece, uh, and, and what also comes along with that is gratitude. Oh, uh, we talk a lot I'm, about I'm, that I, with guests. We get, we get to that. That's one of my last questions of the show. What are you grateful for? But it's such a uh, powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah. We, you know, there's, I watch people on the social media take these gratitude challenges where every day they write something that they're grateful for and a different thing. And, and I look at it kind of bemused. Because what my experience is and the experience of those around me is when you're living your life and you're focused outward to see the contribution you can make on a daily basis, you wind up being grateful that you have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You don't have to think about what you're, you're just grateful that you're like, I'm grateful, Patrick, that I get to talk to you and something will come out of it that may benefit others. And for that, I'm grateful. I was looking forward to this. You know, I was telling people I got a podcast. You know, it's like it's not like, oh, to prove something or but the opportunity to contribute and uh, or hopefully contribute, you know, really moves me and moves people. Mm -hmm. It moves people. And, you know, and, and not to downplay the money and there, this money side of it. When I'm working with people and they find their purpose, they find their mission, either for themselves or for their company, then the next question is, okay, in the area of results, you know, your health, your finances, your relationships, how would it look if you were at the top of your game? Right. You're at the, so it's about having it all work because sometimes people hear this contribution and, well, I'm going to save that until I got more right now, I got to take care of me. Mm -hmm. But you know, yeah, we, this, of course, none of these conversations are planned. So when we talk about take care, uh, taking care of me, I know for it, you know, this is the nature of women, but men too, but let's just talk about women for a second. You know, my observation over the years, especially with moms and is that after a time, they start to get tired and they start to get weary and then there's stress on a relationship. And the reason I bring that up is because often what happens is, especially with women is that's their nature. They're looking after their husbands first, their kids, then they're looking after their community and they're looking after all of these things and they forget that they're the hub of that world and you need to look after yourself. 
you know, it's the, I hate to use the cliche. It's the, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. If the plane's about to crash, because you're no good to anybody if you're not alive or if you're not healthy, but that, that's an example using, you know, moms and women in general, but really people, when we're leaders, it can sometimes feel a little bit selfish to do that. But the realization that I would encourage listeners to get to those entrepreneurs, those business people, and, you know, really get to a place where it is so imperative that you take time to look after yourself so that you can, in fact, look after your team and your others, your family. And, and, and Patrick, you know, I, I took a, a, a quote from Gandhi where that I saw at the bottom of many people's uh, emails they were sending me. It said, be the change you want to see. So the way I've modified that is if you're living your calling first, you're the expression of it. Mm. It, it, it. You know, you. So if my calling is all hearts are full and all beings are enlightened, I've got to make sure my heart's full mm. and that I'm living an enlightened life. Mm-hmm. If someone else's calling is a good uh, uh, colleague uh, who I'm coaching, his calling is all lamps are lit. Yeah, but he's got his lamp has to be lit before he's going to light anybody else's. So it, it really has to work forever for the for the whole of it, for the whole of it, not just for the little piece uh, where you are, but you've got to take care of you. Cause like you just said, if, if you, you know, you said in your own way, but if you're not taking care of you, you got nothing really. And eventually that's going to lead to resentment. Imbalance is my ob- feeling of imbalance, Im- Im- imbalance and resenting that you have all these things that you're doing. But what the, the, we've all heard it in our heads. What about me? What about me? Yeah. What about me? It, it's not like you gotta, you can't ignore that. Let's go back to, I want to, I want to, I've got a a specific thing I want to get to, but first I want to ask for your, if you were to define the difference between purpose and calling, do you have, do you have a definition for those two or a differentiation? Uh, Right. I don't. Okay. So I've got, there for me, there are different ways of saying what's the intention of your life. What's the outcome you're going to have in the lives of others? Uh, another word that I use is direction. And why I use that word is because, you know, if you want to go east, you're going to go east. There's no end to how for how long you can go east. Mm-hmm. And if you have your calling, it's not like a goal that you're going to get to or your purpose. It's not like a purpose. It's that's true north. That's going to be, you're going to measure yourself in each interaction at the end of each day, at the end of each week, each year. Did I stay, how true was I to my mission, my calling, my purpose, that underlying intention, or did I go veer off? And if I veered off, what do I need to do to course correct? Now, in all of the work that you've done, and like I say, you've worked with some pretty successful people. Do you see this in terms of the level of success or getting to another level of success? How does this fit with the clients that you've worked with and the people that you've worked with? It's great. How does it work with it? Well, like, how does it fit in? Like, do you see it consistently when people go to this and wrap their mind around it, they can actually take their lives and their business to a new level, to a new level of satisfaction, new level of happiness, uh, another you know, bigger revenue. What, how does that show up in with people? Yeah. 
you know, it's specific with each person. Uh, I, I can say honestly and authentically that with each business I'm working with, all but one have radically expanded uh, their productivity and their finances, their revenue, their profit, all but one. Mm -hmm. And that one I'm still calibrating. It was a, a larger enterprise and still calibrating what, 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 what's going to be the leverage point for them. Uh, they've been in existence a longer period of time. So when you've got something that's got a lot of momentum going in a particular direction, it takes a little longer to, to turn the ship around to, to recalibrate. Uh, but what I found, Patrick, is when people are lit up and inspired, they perform better, mm -hmm. period. So if you've got a team of people starting from the owner or the CEO, uh, and they're all lit up and inspired by what they're doing, you know, they're no longer going to work every day. They're literally getting paid to be themselves. Right. It's, it's like they're un, 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 untethered. Well, I think this, then is, when they this is such an important point you make. You know, it's like a CEO of a couple of businesses that I'm, if I was dragging my ass into the office, I mean, that's obviously going to ripple out and bring people right. down. I think for the most part, you know, it, you know, in my cranky moments, I'm cranky, but for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty inspired and lit up to go in and work with my team and pretty fired up about right. we, what we do, especially with rain. I mean, with real estate investment network, we get to be such a contribution to people's lives. I mean, that's always our focus in our conversations. Correct. How do we make a difference? Okay. This is going to maybe sound like I'm taking you off on a different path, but I think it's all part of the bigger picture because I spoke with you on the weekend briefly and we were just doing a, a, a general catch-up call because uh, I hadn't talked to you for a while one-on-one. -on -one. And you mentioned to me that you're working with a, a large corporation and you're actually going to be entering the conversation or working with them on mindfulness. Mm, yes. So, yeah. so, you know, mindfulness is, you know, it's almost becoming one of those catch words or catch phrases, Absolutely. you know? So tell me about, tell me about mindfulness and, yeah, well, and the work you're doing. Let's investigate that a little bit. What the heck yeah, is I, mindfulness, Alan? It's, it's so good. It's so good. So uh, it is the buzzword and uh, everybody's talking about it. And, you know, in the beginning, it was like just another word uh, for meditation, teaching meditative practices. But now people out of the work that's been done, people are much clearer. Mindfulness has nothing to do with whether you meditate or whether you don't meditate. You know, the, the simplest way I've heard it explained is there's mindful and mindless. Mm. So when we're on automatic, that's mindless. You know, not even aware of, what, you know, not even aware of what's going on around us. You know, tripping over things, forgetting things, you know, having the wrong words come out of our mouth and, you know, having foot and mouth disease. And my God, why did I say it that way? Well, because... You weren't present. So mindfulness means you're present. You're powerfully related to, number one, the world around you. So you're taking in, oh, that's a tree over there. That's Patrick over here. This is my count. You're present to what's going on around you. But you're also present to the way you're relating 
to what's going on around you. So what do I mean by that? Well, when you're mindful, you know right away that you got threatened or you got triggered. And then rather than just giving that explosive reaction, you can go, oh, that triggered me and then create a response rather than just have a reactive response. Right. So my, another way of using the, that term would be being present, being fully present. Another way of saying it is being more appropriately related to what's going on in your own uh, interactions with the world, as well as with the world around you, so that you have more and more of a say in what you're going to do next. So, so if I'm hearing you, it would be how often, you know, I've, over the years, I've had conversations with people, they go from home, they drive to work and they may not even remember the trip to work. Their mind drifted off. They're not even being present to their drive to work. This is a level of, I'm going to call it a discipline for lack of better things right now. I think that's a good word of discipline, a practice. It's a practice. Thank you. Uh, that really is being present. And actually it isn't about what people are doing to you. It's so I'm just rephrasing or re-saying yep. you're actually looking and listening and watching yourself react to what's going on in the world. And as opposed to reacting, all of these things are happening in nanoseconds, of course, in our brains. And it's actually, you know, slowing down before you react to it, saying, is this reaction appropriate? Am I reacting out of anger? Am I charged? What does it really mean? Am I being clear? It, it, it's really that. It's really great. You know, and if we relate it back to purpose, it's like in each interaction, what's the outcome that I want to produce? Mm -hmm. Or am I just getting through this interaction because I have two more that are scheduled in 20 minutes and then three more after that. No, I, I want to bring my whole self, both my experiences, my knowledge, the insights I've had to each interaction. And you can't do that if you're not fully present and right there in that interaction with all of your senses functioning and taking in that information from the environment then reflecting for a moment, go, good, well, here's the outcome I want to produce. You know, Patrick, sometimes what I do with people is before they're going to meetings or events where there's some anxiety, mm -hmm. they, they know they're anxious about it. It's an important thing they got to produce. I say, let's slow down a second. What's the outcome you want to produce in that, at that event? So first get connected to the end, the end result. Great. Good. And do you have your plans for how you're going to produce that result? No. Oh, okay. Well, do you need to take time to create your plan? No. Oh, you don't. Okay, good. Because you like to be spontaneous. Great. Well, then I'll talk to them right now. Who, how are you viewing that audience that you haven't met yet? Or that person you're about to go into negotiate? Are you viewing them as a threat? And if they slow down, they go, oh, yeah. Well, are they really a threat? No. So that's another way of dealing with this thing that I'm calling mindful, getting present to what's actually going on right now and then creating. And then being very intentional. So it, exactly. this is really exactly. about intentionality, having the awareness around intentionality.
Yeah, and but so many of our intentions, I'll just speak for myself, you know, I've got an intention that if I'm not responsible for it, will determine how I talk, which is to look smart. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, today's another day when I can look smart. But out of things that happened in my childhood, I'm sometimes trying to prove how smart I am. Mm-hmm. Now, if I haven't done that inner work to be aware that that intention could come out of my mouth at any moment, then I'm just going to, at the end of the day, go, whoa, you really wasted people's time showing them how smart you are. You didn't even pay attention to what they had to offer you. Mm. So that would be an example of being mindless, yes. being on automatic. So this is a an evolution. Of course, there's not right and wrong, but when, and I think that people listening to this show once again, the context of the show is that we're sharing insights of how people go to the next level of success, how they really do live a fulfilled life, a great life, you know, money being part of it. But ultimately, it is a practice, it's a discipline. Sorry, go ahead. I know you're just trying to get, go, Alan. I just want to interrupt you for once. You know, th- there was a time, Patrick, where, you know, uh, being successful was not even something I talked about to myself because I was on this mission to save the planet. You know, I come from the hippie generation. We were going to create the love revolution. And, did, you, did you have hair you know, back? Did you have hair back then? <laughs> I, I had long hair and a beard. I, 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 I looked the part. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, you know, went to work in an organization that was all about contributing to others. And I think I was 35 or 36, you know, four years in, I went, you know what? I don't have enough money for my kids to go to college. Mm. So, the, and I went to myself, oh, that's fine. They'll go to public, get a public education where it won't cost as much. And then, but I don't have enough money for when I retire. Well, fine. I'll just work till the day I die. And then. But again, using this whole thing about mindfulness Mm -hmm. and pausing and intentions, I went, you know what? There's something in my relationship to money that has me have the situation I have right now regarding money. Mm -hmm. And I paused and did that inner work of, well, what is my relationship to money? And I went, oh, people who have a lot. And I had six different narratives. One was people who have a lot of money are shallow. Sure. Two. That that was back then. Oh, for I, sure. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you bet. That was that. Two. And, and all they care about is getting more money. That was a view that I had. Two. You got to make a choice. Either do good work or get rich. It's going to be one or the other. Because you're not going to get rich doing good work. Doing work for others. Three a narrative that I had that I didn't realize I had is I will never be rich. Oh, came, came from a lower middle class background. My parents didn't focus on money. Next one. I will always have enough, but I will never be rich. Hmm. And five is if I start focusing on money, I'll become someone who's just a selfish person. So I saw all five of those narratives. You could say, how did I do that? By pausing and just looking. 
I mean, it didn't, you didn't need to be a rocket scientist. I knew the messages I got growing up. And then I saw that all five of those statements, none of them were true. So we have the stories we tell ourselves. And exactly. it's really about stepping back a little bit and really looking at the stories you're telling yourself. Yeah. And, you know, this is going to circle all the way around, Patrick, if you if I get another two minutes here. So then I made up a new narrative. I said, well, first off, money's a game. Why is it a game? Well, it's made up. What do you mean it's made up? Well, I don't know, 10,000 years ago, there wasn't any such thing as money <laughs> or 20,000 years ago. It's made up. Human beings made up money. So there's the money game. Mm-hmm. And I went, good. What's the game I'm going to play with money? And I said, money's an opportunity for power, freedom, and abundance, period. So I shifted the narrative and then started taking different actions when it came to money. Now, circling around to companies, the people running companies have narratives about themselves, about their company, about their employees. So we've got to get those narratives into the light, got to get them exposed so you can create a more empowering view, a more empowering way of relating to your company, to yourself and to the people around you. You know, when um, there's the World Series happening now and, you know, they're in that as a team. Mm -hmm. You can tell There's a bunch of individuals who are really outstanding, but they're related to each other as a team. So how do you build a team if you want your company to be successful rather than just have a bunch of stars? And I know you've got a lot of experience with that, Patrick, in your background, but, you know, people don't always do that in business. This is a we want to create a high performing team. All right. Period. Okay. Lots of great stuff in there. And so where this comes up for me is some of the conversation we've had in the past. So we've talked about mindfulness and calling and purpose, and that's, you know, having awareness, starting to be intentional with what you do and how you're doing it, how you're being, doing that work. At some point you hope to get out of the intellect so that it's not generated. In other words, it just becomes who you are. And and that, that is a process that does take time to just be that because and where I'm getting to with this, Alan is you and I have talked about this in the past and that is our operating system. Yes. And do we get to upgrade our operating system? Do we get to really define what our operating system is as opposed to going, you know, I was born and I was downloaded with this operating system. I'm a victim to it. It's just the way I am. You know, those famous words, just the way I am. And, and, and actually look at our operating system and go, I'm going to take this operating system, I'm going to upgrade it, and I'm actually going to customize it so that I get to be a representation of myself in its fullest expressed way. I get to be my brand. I get to do it intentionally. And I'm, and I'm, I'm mindful. I'm living my purpose, my calling, and I have this upgraded operating system. So Operating system is your language, by the way, not mine. So I, right. I just That's took right. it over. <laughs> I just I, used I, it. I, I, I like it because it communicates and you, and you don't need to have a PhD to use it. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. So when you first, when I first caught the phrase operating system, yeah. which I think was a couple of years ago now, yeah. um, 
as much as I believe I get it now and understand it and I have my own story around it, when you first used the phrase, I just yeah. could not wrap my mind around what the hell you're talking about. And I'm, I consider myself pretty involved in the understanding of just right. human nature and stuff, but gosh, you, you, you had me, you had me on that one. So can you describe operating system? It's your term. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at that together here. And by the way, I don't know if it's my term, you know, that I don't think there's anything yeah, new, no, under there's the nothing sun. new in this but, world. But, nothing. But, but, but I, <laughs> I don't remember who I borrowed it from. So, but let's, let's look. Um, but if we start with intention, so there's an intention to everything that's created, you know, people who created this computer that I'm looking at while we're talking, they had an intention for this computer, the MacBook air, I'm not giving any plug, which is different than the intention, you know, for my compact. That's in the other room, really a different set of concerns. So you could say intentions are concerns and you either have consciously created concerns or concerns you inherited or concerns. And I don't mean just genetically concerns that sprung up over time as reactions to the situation you found yourself in, you know, and, and as folks who've studied human development, these started when we were young. Some people think they started even prior to that, but at least they started when we were young, you know? So for me, I was short, not very good in sports, lived on a block in New York where everybody was playing sports. I got teased and made fun of for being short and uh, not that good in sports. So at a very young age, I said, okay, I'm not going to be good at sports. I'm going to get attention by being smart. So that became a strategy. Part of my operating system is be smart, mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough. Be smarter. But then that wasn't enough. Then it was be the smartest. So what's always running in the background is to be the smartest. Teachers would have problems with me. Why? Because I was trying to prove I was smarter than them. Coaches would have problems for me. Why? Because I was trying to prove I was smarter. So until I saw that was part, let's call it my operating system, that was an intention that was always running, determining how I saw the world and how I interacted with the world. So if I'm going to live my calling, which is all hearts are full, all beings are enlightened. I have to go looking for what are those intentions that are hidden from my view, but that everybody else around me can probably see very clearly. Other folks call them blind spots. People call it your shadow. What are those things you're not particularly proud of, but they're actually neural pathways. So now we know that there's neural pathways for every one of those patterns. and. You know, a man um, who, you know, I uh, owe a whole lot to is a man named Werner Earhart, uh, who was the created the S training. He said something, I don't know, to me 10 years ago, said, Alan, no one is stuck being who they wound up being. So, true. and I love that sentence mm -hmm. that that gives people hope. Well, I wound up this way. 
but I'm not stuck being this way. Oh, I think that's, gotta, that's such a huge takeaway. I mean, that's big. That's the operating system. Yeah. We wound up, you know, I'm holding this up to you, Patrick. You know, this is my <laughs> operating system. You know, a little thing I did with all the, the, the noise, the patterns that are in my head that, you know, I, I, the way I wound up. I, and I took the time to get it into a visual. Why? So that I could see it. I could observe it. And I could be aware, hopefully, of when it's starting to run my show. Mm. And for a long time, to get the, to go back to what you said about practice, at the end of every day, I would review my interactions with people to see was in each interaction, was I fulfilling my calling or was I fulfilling some other intention? And I would rate myself. This was a 40% day. This was a 20% day. And, you know, you and I, I think, believe this. That game is never over until we take our last breath. So I've created this game for myself that my job as a human being is to live my calling 24-7, even in my dreams. Hmm. And that's a practice. That's that's a commitment. Yes. And, And... fulfill on that i've got to practice even right now Mm -hmm. and you are a mere mortal in spite of just how brilliant you are and guess what our practice goes off track offside totally and and if you think the the biggest sorry when you after you've been doing some work one of those pitfalls is you've got something in your operating system that says well now i've made it Mm -hmm. now i've arrived as if there was some goal to get to which is again why I like the word intention or direction or calling because it implies you can do that forever. Well, I think what's really cool about that, and I use always lots of analogies, and and I'm even in this, I find myself going into a pragmatic place where we can start to put these all together. And Good. you know, because we come, we talk about our operating system and how we are, and and our calling and purpose, and and that. Or, or whatever, or whatever we define that as, but it actually is what ripples out and creates the reflection of our life, right? Our life is a reflection of who we're being. So it's incredibly important to be clear on who we're being. Is is kind of my own take. Well, lots of my own takeaways, and one of my strong beliefs is that my life is a reflection of who I'm being. And I guess where I'm going with this whole thought process, Alan, is that we get to make a choice always of who we're being. We have our blind spots. So there's things that we're doing that we don't see, but every time we kind of go to a next level, let's say we advance in our life and all of a sudden we have some big epiphany or we have some realizations about how we're showing up. Well, then we're at a new place. We're actually going, we're playing a slightly different game, same game, but the field's gotten a little tougher or it's gotten a little, you know, we're we're elevated. We're now playing a bigger game. Or a better game, which then calls on us and we have to reinvent us at the next level. So every time we make a change, every time we go to a next level, guess what? We got to do more push-ups, more sit-ups. We got to do the work to play at that level. I love the way you phrase it because it it matches my experience exactly and what I've observed in others. I would add one thing. I, when you said our lives are a reflection of who we're being, I also think they're a reflection of 
what we're doing. Oh, sure. So it's yeah. be, being and, and doing. doing. Oh, that's a great correction, though. That's a great addition. Sure. And, and you might say the opposite sides of the same coin. There's no being without doing. There's no doing without being. Mm. Some folks just focus on doing and not on being. Some folks just focus on being and not on doing. But they're in a dance. And, and you know, we, we talk about walking our talk. You know, so I say I'm being this wonderful person, but am I doing what that wonderful person would do? And I agree with you just a thousand percent. There's all when you slow things down enough that you can look at your operating system and you can look at your calling. There's a choice. Mm -hmm. There's a choice, a choice to go with the well-worn pathway that's been there because it's been reinforced over time or the choice to create new pathways, new ways of being and acting that are expressions of your calling. Uh, and then finally, for most people, what gets them into action is failure, failing. They notice that what they're doing isn't producing the results they want. I think it's in the master game, you don't wait till you fail. You're just always creating the next level of expression, which you know you're not going to get to by just doing more of the same. It's going to be through introspection, through insight, through realizations for creating a, a higher bar for yourself where good enough is no longer good enough. So now it's like, I've, you know, this year I created a theme just to keep myself in the game. You know, last year was, you know, really the best year of my life, Patrick, the best in every way, health-wise, financially, work-wise, family-wise, with my wife, just wonderful. But I created, so then what am I going to do this year? If that, so this year was, the theme was broader. So reach a broader segment of the world and deeper. Simple. I like to keep my themes simple so I can remember them throughout the year right. and don't have to wonder what was my theme. <laughs> you don't have, you don't have so, to pull out your iPad to remind you what, exactly. what my theme was. <laughs> what, what, what am I up to? So broader and deeper. Well period. You know, and and so and that's what I would measure. Am I going broader? And am I going deeper? And and you know, we're getting close to the end of the year, so I'm starting to speculate about what will be the theme next year mm. rather than waiting for New Year's Day. But what would be the theme next year if this year is broader and deeper? You know, it's interesting, you know, just as a check in, this this whole conversation, you know, might feel actually pretty deep for people, you know, pretty heavy. Like, what has this got to do with, you know, being an everyday millionaire and being successful? And and I knew having you on the call today because what I've learned myself personally, what I see in actually working with really literally thousands of real estate investors and entrepreneurs now is that the most successful, and I'm not just talking about money. Well, let's define success as something beyond just money. I think that's so important. Yep. And the reality of it is this is the work that has to be done. This is the view of the world that you have to take on and how you're showing up, being intentional, doing, it's always about the work you do on self and the contribution you're being to others in that. 
that's I just want to check in there and just really make sure that people understand it. And Alan, you know, in my world, uh, I don't think I've run across guys that are better than you. Like you're you're at the top of the heap in terms of people that understand and know how to coach and know how to support. So uh, that's why I wanted to take advantage of having you on the call today to kind of dig into this stuff. And, and I appreciate that, Patrick, you know, because, you know, you, the audience may think this is a theoretical conversation that we're having or some hypothetical conversation or some feel good conversation. But I mean, you and I are not trying to escape our humanity and not trying to pretend we, we, we don't act like jerks from time to time. You know, what we're doing is we've created a purpose for our lives mm -hmm. and a purpose for our businesses. And all we're doing is trying to live as true to that as we can and to keep discovering what we're not currently seeing, what we're not currently letting in so we can uh, have a more profound impact. And we didn't, come up with that because, oh, well, that's the way to make a whole lot of money these days. <laughs> we came up with that because that's the way to fulfill on what we're here for. And it doesn't negate or rule out or even lessen the likelihood that we'll be very successful financially while we're doing it. Mm -hmm. But to keep staying connected to the why, you know, why we're doing it uh, and, uh, keep having the people around us connected to the why that we're doing it. You know, why I'm quite frankly, Patrick, why I'm talking to you right now is one, just because I love you and enjoy you. But two, I'm intending that uh, who's ever listening to this is getting something that's going to make their journey a little lighter or, or maybe even have them see something they've been avoiding looking at so they can do the real work that's in front of them and get those obstacles out of the way because the people listening to us aren't stuck being who they wound up being either. Thank you for that kind of moment of clarity that uh, is brief interlude to reground yeah. and reconnect. We talk about blind spots. That's a phrase and we shadow, whatever that is, those things about yeah. ourselves that we don't see. Now, one of the, what, what I've learned a little bit is that if I walk away from a conversation, a, I'll call it an incident, or if I walk away from a, whatever scenario is happening and I feel a little niggly, that little discomfort, that would be a sign for me to say, okay, that, there was a blind spot that you're being reactive, that your operating system showed up, that you've, you know, you got to pay attention to that. Yes, exactly. Now, having said that, I know that I have blind spots that and i'm and i'm you know i'm i'm blessed to be surrounded by people that seem to have no problem pointing out my blind spots <laughs> that is a blessing uh, and i am blessed i i don't look at that you know and, and i know that they're always trying to be gentle around how they position certain things but and i've in, invited that so i have absolutely no right. problem with it but i think that's also right. something that you know i don't take things personally. I just don't anymore. There's very, very mm. few people that will push my buttons anymore where I think mm. I'm taking something where I take it personally. I mean, I can get activated. 
under certain scenarios for sure. But, you know, those that are closest to me in my circle of influence, which is quite, quite large, I consider it quite large. I mean, they can be pretty mm. direct. I just don't take it personally. I know it's not where it's coming from, but it's pointing out those things that we don't see about ourselves because my journey to your point that we talked about earlier and yours is really to always elevate, to always be the best person we can be. And that could look like leadership, father, you know, husband, you know, whatever that is. And do you find that, is there a, is there a trick for you? I don't want to call it a trick. Is there a methodology mm -hmm. for you of people identifying blind spots other than just making sure you're giving people permission to support you around that? Well, that's the first one. What you just said is giving people permission to point out. Uh, so I am public about what I'm up to and the people around me know that I count on them to point out if they see discrepancies. So it's not about pretending I've got it all handled. So that's number one, using a network around you to give you feedback. But number two, you can go after it where you can actually interview people. And you can say the interview people, uh, you do your own 360 mm -hmm. where you interview the, the folks you're in relationship with and on a personal level and on a professional level, the folks who are above you, if there are any, the folks who are lateral and the folks who report to you and ask them, listen, I'm working on myself. I'm developing myself to be just an extraordinary leader, an extraordinary fulfillment of my calling. What do you see are the things that I do that you think I might not be aware of? And I promise you there'll be no repercussions for anything you tell me, I just want to see myself through your eyes. I heard it said that one of the prayers the saints of old used to pray was they prayed to be able to be seen as other people see them. Because mm -hmm. the capacity for self-deception is enormous. Well, that, you know, that, that takes me on. I, I don't want to miss. I'm going to come back to that a little. Okay, good. Because that's really good. important, self-deception. Okay, good. And what drives that. Good. Yeah. But what you're suggesting there is two part. I mean, there's a level of vulnerability mm, on well said. both sides. And not just, you know, not just you in terms of receiving feedback, but also the person providing feedback. You know, yeah. they could love you to death and think you're amazing but they're going, yeah, you know something, that's just not a really good quality you have. That's being very vulnerable on their side of the equation Correct. as well. And both of you, or both of us, I know that you and I share something in common, which is our real desire to be as authentic as we know how to be. And I know it, shares, it scares the shit out of both of us sometimes. That's yep. just the nature yep. of it. It's really hard to be authentic and vulnerable and judged and all of the things that go with that is very, very challenging. But this leads yep. me back to the self-deception. Yeah. Because our egos are so dark sometimes and so yep. slippery because yep. when you think about ego, when I don't want, and I don't, I'm, I'm saying this as if I know, and I don't know, I would use the, I would say that most people believe egos you know, wrapped around arrogance and being big and bold and, 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 you know, wanting all the attention and all of those things, but ego can actually, and is actually 
can be the polar opposite of all those things. And that's the deceptive part. We play small sometimes because we think we don't want to have a big ego, but the truth is, is that's our ego keeping us small. So can you give Correct. me some, you're well-spoken on so many of these topics. Share with me mm. your view of ego and where it gets in our way in the self, self-deception. Yeah, it's good. I, you know, not being a psychologist and not having, having done some psychology readings, I, I have a really distant view of that term, ego. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's your persona. It's the way you present in the world. It's the um, operating system might be another word for ego. Sure, there you go. That might be another word for ego and and id. <laughs> uh, uh, I think the uh, analogy I'm going to like use is Monopoly. You know, in, in order to play the, the first thing in the game of Monopoly is you open up the box and uh, you, well, first you decide who's going to be the banker, but then you open up the box and you and you select a piece. You don't get to play the game unless you have a piece to go around the board. Mm-hmm. That's ego. Ego is the piece that's going around the ga- this board called life. Mm. That's the piece. But it's not all of who you are. It's just you don't get to play the game uh, without having a piece. You know, some people talk about, you know, that human beings are gods pretending to be mortal. Mm, there you go. So our, that's an interesting our thought, by the way, that is kind of a cool exactly, thought. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Our, our morta- and, and we forgot, yeah. we forgot that we're pretending <laughs> and then we identify with our own mortality and our own limitations and our, but you know, I, I really do view life from the perspective that anything's possible and in the era of human growth, anything's possible. And the ego is that fixed entity that chafes at that or tries to take credit for it when you're doing it. Mm. E- either one. It, it, it's the me. It, it's the who. I can't say anything more intelligent or unclear about it, but because I really haven't read enough about how that term is used, which is why I started using operating system. <laughs> well, I think operating systems are... Uh, are- a good word or a yeah, a good phrase, good word to use for yeah. ego. I, I read the, geez, it was months ago now, but I read a book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. And yes, you l- told me about that book. Learned so much from that and gained, it just rang true for me in, in terms of understanding it and and how I interpreted much of what he wrote, but it was really great food for thought. And I have been over the over the months really looking at ego and I don't want to say studying it, but certainly paying attention to how I'm seeing ego show up in myself and others and what it represents. And ultimately for me, you know, ego will tell you how great you are and ego will tell you how great you're not. It's one of those things that you're not big enough, you're not tall enough, you're not rich enough, you're not smart enough. It tells you all the things you're not enough and then it tells you all the things about how amazing you are, but that's the self-deception that we kind of fall into that trap. And and so I see ego as a part of operating system and a big part of operating system, but not necessarily being operating system. So that's around ego. So I just, I think that ego is a, is something that we all have to pay attention to. Of course, the phrase being, you know, your ego is not your amigo always comes back to that. 
and uh, because it isn't, it it is something that we have to understand about ourselves. Yeah, and and I like the I like that sentence the best. I don't like for my own self. It, it doesn't work for me to think in terms of enemies or adversaries. You know, I've got I've got this Scotty dog mm-hmm. <laughs> or this race car that's going around the board, then it's not my enemy. It's only my enemy when I think that that's all that I am. Right. Or I forget that I'm the one who has that piece, but I'm not the piece. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not the piece. I have this piece. I have this identity, but that's not the totality of who I am. And, you know, what's that peanuts quote? We, we've we met the enemy and it is us. Right. So you, yes. you, you, you want to you come to terms with, your own design, the way you're designed, you know, to use the, the language of the folks these days, why? So then you can hack into it <laughs> and you can create some life hacks that aren't just limited by the way you're designed. Okay. So 2018, okay. You got to make a note yeah. of this. Just read the book, Ryan Holiday, Ego's the Enemy. And, Cause I want to discuss Good. with you, let's you and I do an investigative dig into ego. How it affects. I will do that. We'll, we'll, and let's do that together. Or, you know, we can do that over as a little bit of a project. And then we can kind of, maybe we'll do a podcast around ego because I'm, I'm only ever going to get grounded back in the fundamental. Ordinary people delivering or achieving extraordinary results. You know, and, and, and I think this is such an important part of it. Okay, I want to go on to some stuff because we're we've gone on to a we've talked about a lot of things and don't have any idea how this is landing for listeners. But I, for me, it's just such a great conversation because I see it as such an important part of having really great fulfillment in our lives. And Patrick, it's great for me too. You know, where to start the day having a conversation like this just puts the day in perspective. Yeah. Tell me something that when you're working with the individuals that you're working with. And once again, uh, you know, I keep getting back to, you know, I mean, you've just worked with some amazing people and many, many of them. Do you see, you know, as we're passing on tips and sharing insights for listeners, do you find that those individuals that you work with have a routine? You know, I've had many people say to me, Patrick, can you always make sure you ask your guests what their routines are. So I want to start with you. I want to start with you. Yes. You have a, a morning routine. You have a, a routine of looking after yourself. I know recently you've brought your weight down to a real healthy weight. I want to hear a little bit about right. that. But tell me about your routine. What is your practices, your routine that keep you healthy mentally, physically, emotionally? What What are some of the things that you do? You know, um, part of my operating system is I have a lot of shoulds. <laughs> and, you know, uh, after noticing that having all those shoulds didn't increase the likelihood that I would act on all those things I should be doing, I've gotten a lot of, lot easier with myself. So I have a thought that I should be meditating every morning, but I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I I've done it at times for, uh, three, six, nine months at a time meditate twice a day, meditate once a day. At this point in my life, uh, and I'm not telling anybody else to follow me on this for sure, but that's not part of the routine. 
the routine is being present and being mindful. So I'll wake up in the morning and I'll notice the way I woke up. Is there a mood there? Are there some thoughts there? And I'll just pay attention to what they are. That's one. Now, that's preceded by a different routine, which is the night before I've already looked at my calendar for the next day yes. to make sure there's no conflicts in my calendar and make sure that I've got everything prepared for what I'm going to need to fulfill the next day so that when I go to sleep, I'm just sleeping, not trying to figure out how I'm going to handle the next day because I've already confronted it. So confront tomorrow, the night before. So it's handled. As, as handled as you can be. Totally. Knowing, knowing it's going to surprise you anyway. But that's <laughs> such a big one because taking it off the hard drive, it's taking it out of your yeah. brain, parking it over there. You've dealt with it to the degree you can. Now we can start to wind down and get a good night's sleep. And then, as I told you, uh, again, this is the, these are simple things, Patrick, but, and I didn't even look at them as routine, but as I told you, you know, we had, I woke up at six this morning when my alarm goes off and I look over and I see the electricity's out. Okay. But I've got matches in the drawer. I've got candles and I've got a flashlight. So the other thing that's part of my routine is I'm prepared for what might go wrong. I don't live worried about it, but I've confronted the things that might go wrong and I've already got some plans. So when they do, it's not like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Where's the flashlight? Where are the matches? Where are the... I'm prepared. Now, how often has the electricity gone out? Once every two years, but I'm prepared anyway. Right. So being prepared for what those things that might happen that might seem out of your control or that are out of your control. I don't know. I've got to circle back to money. You know, I'm prepared. I have enough in liquid assets to handle at least six months of living expenses mm -hmm. in case for some reason, everybody, all my income dried up overnight. Things come off the rails. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. So, so I think that's now, what does that give me? It gives me peace of mind. Sleep at night fund. I, I'm not worried about what might happen because I'm prepared for what might happen. Okay, so there's being prepared for the day. There's being mindful as I go through the day. Then another part of my routine, uh, this one's important. I got this from a course that I did called Mission Control. And the mission, the premise of that course is it's possible to have power, freedom, and peace of mind with everything that there is to do and handle. So part of my routine is to have nothing on my mind other than what I'm doing right now. Nothing. Like as an athlete, that's in the zone. An athlete's not worried about their vacation when they're playing sports. They're just playing what they're playing basketball, playing baseball, playing hockey. So be it, live my life in the zone. The way I live it in the zone is all of my commitments that I'm going to take action on are in my calendar. And I update it throughout the day. All of them. Two, there's things I'm interested in doing, but I haven't committed to doing them. And everybody has it. Oh, I might want to go here someday. I might want to do this. Wouldn't this be? 
And if you just let those things roll around in your brain, it keeps you from being present. You might be daydreaming. You might be worried about this trip that you haven't even planned yet. So I have this file folder. I'm holding it up so that you can see that I have it. File folder. This is called my peace of mind folder. Every idea that I have, every even a book, you know, you said ego is the enemy. It goes right in here. Books I might read someday, movies I might see, places I might go, restaurants I might eat at. I write them down in this folder. Ideas for a business that I'm not going to work on in this folder. Why? So that it's not on my mind. So everything is either in my calendar or in my peace of mind folder. And I look at this on a, at least weekly to move things off of it. Like put them in my calendar or just cross them off because I'm no longer interested in it. And you, you like writing things down. I mean, for some listeners, the, you know, using an app electronically would be, I use it. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a big Evernote fan, you know, the app Evernote. Yes. Love it. But I'll tell you what, if you looked on my bookshelf, I probably got, I, I'm going to say hundreds now of notebooks that I, I never throw them out. I will sometimes occasionally go randomly pick one off the shelf and look at it because I'll have journaled in there. I'll have made notes and I'll go, wow, look where I was back then. And my thought process, here's my observation about that in my journals, which I don't, I rarely refer to them again, but when I do it gives me a picture of where I was before, where I am now. And I've looked at stuff and I go, holy crap, you know, 10 years later, I still have the same kind of thing I'm thinking about. I got to look at this a yeah. little closer. What the heck? That's, that's good, Patrick. The, the other thing that I do is pretty much throughout the day, I look at what I just did to look to see did I operate consistent with my calling or inconsistent? And if I found that I was inconsistent, I either make a note, send an email, make a phone call and acknowledge it, be vulnerable, be authentic and clean it up. So I'm not carrying around mm. all the mistakes I made last week into this week because I already completed them as soon after, as soon as I noticed. So there's none. Oh, I hope people don't find out. Mm. I went, I, this is embarrassing, but who cares? To be alive is to be embarrassed, to be willing <laughs> to be embarrassed. I, I went to a, a clothing store to buy this really high-end jacket. Because as you know, most of my clothing is not high-end, but I'm hanging out with some folks where it seems appropriate to have a high-end jacket. And I, I'm in the store with these two guys who are working there. And I said, you know, I go to the, visit this guy you know, and he dresses like a dandy. And I want to be able to, I feel like naked in front of him. I want to be able to, at least when I'm with him, be in, in that right melu and dress appropriately. So I got this jacket. And after I went home, I went, dandy. Is that an insulting word? Did I just insult them? Does that have a sexual connotation? A jet? What is it? I don't even know what it means. I walked back to the store the two guys were there. I said, you know, the other day when I came in, I used the word dandy. I was reflecting on that. Did I offend you? <laughs> now, now, Patrick, that's not because I'm racked with guilt. That's because I'm committed to living my life consistent with all hearts are full and all beings are enlightened. Mm -hmm. 
And if I've done something inconsistent, I'm going to clean it up. That's cool. And we had a great conversation. That's great. One of them said, no, you didn't offend me. I used to be a dandy, but it just took too much work. So I don't dress that way. If you called me a hipster, that would be offensive because no hipster wants to be called the hipster. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, hey, listen, we, we're going to, because I know we're running out of time because you got other stuff you got to get done today. So a couple and things. you know, I'll always, I'll come back as often as you'd like. <laughs> so before I wind out, you, you've, uh, share with me cause you, uh, you said you've, uh, you've dropped a bunch of weight and, yeah. uh, not that you were overly, you weren't uh, like nope. some obese guy, you know, but so you've, right. you've lost some weight, What are you just eating, right? Doing some exercise, walking. What are you doing? Yeah. Both, you know, I have the Fitbit. I believe in positive reinforcement. You know, I, I put a, a workout room in my basement. Uh, I stopped scheduling as many appointments during the day so that I couldn't use that excuse called I'm too busy to work out. So again, it's, it goes back to that principle. Anything that I'm committed to accomplishing lives in my calendar as an occasion of sufficient duration mm -hmm. to actually get done what I want to get done. Everything. Now, some of you may be listening to this and you go, yeah, but what about all those unplanned things? So my coaching to you is if you have a lot of unplanned things, spend a week noticing how much each day do unplanned things happen and then add that to your calendar. In the morning, 45 minutes. In the afternoon, 45 minutes. You know, and just have it be dealing with emergencies, even though you don't know what they are, but schedule the time so that when those emergencies come, you're not going, oh my God, I don't have enough time. You know, as, as you know, but the, the listeners may know, I lived in a Zen monastery when I was 22 because I thought I was going to become a Zen monk. And in the Zen monastery, we would do um, uh, meditation many hours a day. But then there was sitting Zazen and walking Zazen. Mm. So there's the meditation that you're doing, the mindfulness practices you're doing when you're just sitting. But then there's also, when you're not sitting, going through the day mindfully, being present, sure. being aware being aware of your breath, being aware of your posture, being aware of the tone of your voice. So I, I think that's the overarching feel, Patrick, for me, is throughout the day, checking in and making sure I'm living consistent with what I'm committed to and then, as you know, once a year, I like to do a retreat, just 10 days, no talking, just straight meditation for 10 days, kind of just to watch my operating system do its thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I think you and I need to do a retreat at my place. Oh, I'd love it. And then we, and we could, and then we could do another one of these right here at the poolside studio and have some fun and, love it. and let's get some, yeah, let's see if some guys want to, uh, some people want to do that. I think I'm going to do that. Um, That's great. Okay, so let's wind the show down. And I love. Sure. I'll, I want to go back to uh, see how your answers are this time. These are, you know, the rapid fire sure. questions. Yep. See if things have changed because now you've evolved. Yep. You're not the same person you were months ago. That's right. Okay. What's your favorite swear word? Fuck. Yeah, that's a popular one. It's one of my <laughs> favorites. If you weren't doing what you're doing, what profession would you try? What would you attempt? Um, I wasn't doing what I was doing. What might I try? Um, 
either running a really hip restaurant or 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 teaching uh leading meditation retreats oh there you go if heaven exists what would you like god to say when you arrive at the gates did a good job on a scale of one to ten how weird are you 8.7 yeah see you know i i don't think i i you know i see so much of me and you and I don't yeah. think we're that weird. I think everybody else is weird or we're all weird. Like everybody's weird. We're just like, we're, yeah. we're the best weird. We're the best kind of well, weird. I, I, think, I think we're outside the bell curve, Patrick. And, <laughs> and I think that's how weird is defined that's our, these days. That's our own, self -accept, uh, that's our own uh, self assessment, which is self deception, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what are you not very good at? Um, listening without interrupting. Mm. Your room, your desk, or your car? What do you clean first? Car. Do you have a favorite tune? Favorite tune? Yeah, favorite, favorite song, favorite music. Lately, I've been listening to this uh, song that a, a, a woman who I met wrote, and it's very healing. It's by Danya River, and it's called um, Heart is Wide Open. Heart is Wide Open. Donya River, yeah. heart is wide open. I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's your favorite movie? I'm just going to give one that made the biggest impression on, on me uh, that I still talk about, Spartacus. Yeah, that's a good one. And my favorite question, what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? Um, really that I'm healthy and that I have the opportunity to contribute. Hmm. I'm grateful for the people and to the people who let me contribute to them. Yeah. You know, I, I think at this point in our lives, we, we both have a lot to be grateful for. The list is pretty endless, isn't it? Right. Uh, you know, I'm certainly grateful that you had the time to get on the show today. I'm grateful for the friendship that we have and the lessons that mm -hmm. you share with me and others. And uh, it's always much appreciated. Alan Kahn, yep. thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, My pleasure. we're going to circle back and uh, do this all again one day soon. All right. Thanks, Patrick, Bill. thank you. Talk to you a little later. You bet. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.